get your hands dirty a little bit. So we are, um, we're in the series, Discipleship According to Jesus. Last week, we looked at uh, discipleship and Jesus and Jesus' view of discipleship and how he carried it out. This morning, we're looking at discipleship and the church now, specifically the church's role. And, and I'm gonna preface this by saying uh, a couple things. First, uh, last service, I went over by about 10 minutes. I got a lot to talk about. I'm hoping to go over by 20 this service. So get, get comfortable. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I hope, I hope we don't go long. But we got a lot to go over. Um, number two, it's gonna ruffle some feathers, right? I, I, one of the things that I'm like, I, I, I guess I'm known for, whatever, I step on toes and, and uh, you know, unapologetically, you know, if, 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 it's, if their toes worth stepping on, if it's feathers worth ruffling, um, you're gonna feel that today a little bit. And, and that's fine. And here's what I wanna say. It isn't, it isn't because like anyone's picking on you or pointing fingers or like pointing you out. It, it really is because what we're doing is talking about the church and what the Bible says about the church. And if it doesn't line up with maybe your experience or involvement in the church, it isn't us saying, how dare you, you do better. It might be, ready? It might be the Holy Spirit actually bringing a little bit of conviction. And I don't want you to interpret that as, oh man, new hope is so judgmental. No, we're not judgmental. We're biblical, and that might cause a little uncomfort, uh, uncomfort in us when we're like, oh, I don't know if I'm actually doing that thing, or, or I'm doing the thing he said I'm not supposed to do. So that's coming, all right? So let me start. Let me start by asking this question as we talk about discipleship in the church. What makes a church a church? What is it about a church that makes like the, the, our experience, whatever we call church, however you define church, what makes that a church as opposed to just, you know, a social club or a random business or, uh, or a group of people who just meet together? Like, what is it about church that makes it special or, or different or unique? What is it that makes a church a church? Can a church be a group of people at a Bible study. Now, if you've been around church at all for very long, any amount of time, I, hope, I imagine maybe you know this, that the church is not like the building. As much as we call, like, this is New Hope Church. Like, this is the church's property. Like, this is, a, and, and it's a wonderful property, which is why we're gonna take care of it. And come Saturday, we're gonna do some work. And, and, and it's a wonderful facility. It's paid off. We own this. Like, we don't, we're not in debt, which is awesome. We did that right before COVID hit, which was like totally a God thing. And, and so like, debt-free, we have a wonderful, beautiful campus, but this is not the church. This, this thing could, be, could go up in smoke. It could, it could be uh, demolished. There could be an earthquake. Lightning could hit it, and it could be destroyed. And guess what? New Hope Church will still exist. Because the church is the people, right? The church is the, like us. And we happen to meet at this spot in this location, but, but the church is people. So let's talk about church. Can a church be a group of people who meet for a Bible study? Off-site somewhere. Okay, I, I get we're a little nervous to answer based on my intro. And, <laughs> and like, I understand. I understand the hesitancy. We had the last service too. Can, can a church be a group of people hiking in the forest? Right, taking a group, all right. Can a, church be, uh, can a church be your family worshiping and praying at home? Just by yourselves, okay? Can a, church, um, can a church be a group of friends at a restaurant talking about Jesus? Okay, okay. Can a church be online only? Can YouTube be your church? Okay, I heard some grumbles. I heard a few. It was yes, 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 and then a, oh, I don't know. We went through that. I don't know if that was church. 
This is one of, that's, that's, that question has changed, right? COVID changed maybe some of our answers to that question to say like, oh no, that was not church. Like whatever that was. We'll talk a little bit about what that experience was. But all right, so, so whatever the church is, like we need, like it, it, it seems that it would be helpful to, to, to know that. What makes a church a church? Because here's what we're gonna see, right? This is the premise of the morning and, and what, we're gonna, what we're gonna see in God's plan, but then also like in ours. God's, the church is God's plan A for making disciples. The church is God's plan A for making disciples. And there's no plan B. That's it. Jesus came and set up his church and he didn't have a, a backup plan in case it falls through. There was no like, all right, now, if you guys can't do the church, I actually have, I actually have a whole other strategy that we're gonna pivot to, but, but I'm gonna, we're gonna try the church. If that doesn't work, we're gonna do something else. That doesn't exist. The church is it. God, Jesus sets up his church and he says, the gates of Hades are not gonna prevail against this. Peter, you're the rock. I'm gonna build my church. And, and like, this thing is gonna last. So, so the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. When we talk about discipleship, it happens within the church, whatever the church is. So, so if discipleship is the, the mission and the, and, the, and the vision and the direction of the church and it's God's plan A, there is no plan B, it would be helpful then to know what a church is. To know what a church is and what it isn't. And, and, and here's what we're gonna see, that, that um, like whatever we think of about church, uh, there, are, there, are, there seem to be, like the Bible speaks about what it is and what it isn't and what it should be. I was meeting a few weeks ago with a guy that uh, does work around here at the church and, um, and is a believer and is a great guy. I really like him and I'm getting to know him a little bit more. And, and uh, so we go out to, um, to lunch because um, uh, he lost a bet to me and we bet lunch on it. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and so it was great. I'm like, man, I, by the way, I will bet you guys lunch on anything that I know I will win. <laughs> okay, so... So he's like, oh, I owe you lunch. I'm like, man, all right, great. It was like a year ago. And he, he totally remembered and was like, I gotta take you. I'm like, great. So we go to lunch and, and, uh, and I, I, I'm seriously, I really, really like this guy. And so we're talking about uh, you know, our faith and history and church and, and Jesus. And uh, man, he's a Christian. He loves Jesus. And I said, so what, what church do you go to? You go to church. And he says, he says oh no, I don't, I don't attend a church. Said, oh, you don't, no, like no church at all. No, I don't, I don't go to church. And then he said, my church is at home. Every night I will play at least an hour of worship songs and I'll just sing and I just worship, worship, you know, loudly. And to the point where he goes, my wife will have to come in and be like, shut the door and like, hey, stop it. Because he's like, eh, I'm not really always in tune, but I'm singing my little heart out. I'm like, man, good. I'm, I'm glad like the Lord doesn't require us to be in tune because like I wouldn't be allowed in church anymore. So, so, and he says, that's church for me. And I said, okay, okay, wow, all right, great. Right, which is not a bad thing. Like how many of you worship worship every night before you go to bed, like get on some YouTube and, and play some worship and, and just sing. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's, that's wonderful. And I said, do you, have, do you have, you know, are you sermons you listen to or like any Bible teachers? Any? Oh, no, 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 I don't do any of that. I don't do any of that. I just worship, that's church for me. And I said, I think you need to actually think about bec becoming a part of a community, an actual church, right? Because a church of one, now, is that church? Do you and I, listen, do you and I get to define church for ourselves? There seems to be a level of authority in which this is the church in which we say, either I wanna be a part of that thing or I don't. But I don't, you and I don't get to decide 
actually, I'm gonna redefine church to be what I want it to be, and I'll do that thing. So here's what we see. God set up his church. God set up his church. Not me setting up my church or you setting up your church. God set up his church to have a minimum set of requirements. There seems to be a, a kind of a, a, a church minimum, so to speak, that, that a church does these things. It has to do these things. And if you don't do these things, you're not a church. There's a minimum set here in which you have to do to be a church. So naturally, it would make sense to say, all right, what, what does a church look like? And, and the early church we see is in the book of Acts. And Jesus ascends and he gives the great commission. We talked about this last week. It's not, it's not the great suggestion. Hey, if you think about it, go make disciples. If you're in the mood, if, if it just so happens to be like, like in front of you, go make disciples. No, no, he says, you, I have all authority, so therefore go make disciples. It's not, it's not an option, it's a, it's a command. It's a, it's a, you go do this. So, so if that's the job of the church, and then Jesus ascends, they then start the church, which, which then, be, then becomes known as the early church, like the beginning of the church for the next generation, and it's the apostles, the disciples, church leaders now putting together the church. And, and the book of Acts tells us all about this church. It, the first half follows the life of Peter, and then it follows the life of Paul, two of kind of the greatest church leaders in history. And, and, and we see some details specifically about church. Here's what we read in Acts chapter two. This, this is a wonderful passage, a wonderful passage about the, the, the specifics about church. And here's what we're gonna see. There are, we're gonna pull out 10 things that seem to be a minimum to be, to be considered a church. These 10 things have to be true, right? So let's read them. And as we read, you'll probably be pulling stuff out and then we'll create our list of, of 10 things. Verse 42, they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were, there, were, uh, were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here's what we see, Okay what we can consider as like a description of the early church, that's also the ideal church. Now, it, this is the minimum, meaning this isn't the only thing a church does. In fact, if this is all that it was, um, uh, like church wouldn't be what you experience it is today. So here's what I mean by that. Uh, I was listening to a pastor a while ago and I'm like, oh man, like I've never heard like someone kind of phrase it like this before. And he says, man, we all want an Acts type church and we want an Acts chapter two church. And we do, we really do. We want this to be true of our church. But he goes, do, do you really want to experience all the things that the early church experienced? Or do we want to have learned from that and, like, like, uh, and, 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 and make, some, make some, um, um, some good changes that even Paul writes about because the early church wasn't maybe quite all so ideal. And I'm sitting here going like, man, but this is the ideal. And, and this part, like, passage is the ideal. And then when you read about the church, you know what you read? You read how terrible it goes really quickly. In fact, Paul has to write letters to churches saying, you are dumb. I mean, in, in the Greek, he's like, what are you, you fools, you idiot, like who has bewitched you? And, and he, writes, he writes letters to a church in Corinth 
Do you know about this church? They were doing such a great job that he had to write a second letter because his first letter they didn't do. And, and he's like calling out stuff that, that listen, if, our church, if New Hope Church was, was like the church in Corinth, I would resign. I'd be done. Like if, if, you, if you haven't read the letter to the first letter to Corinthians, holy moly. Okay, some of the stuff that's going on, you're going, oh, I don't want to deal with that. All right, and, and, and there's good reason for it. So, so God sets up, here's the specific minimum for church. And then we're going to talk about like, like details, like what it looks like, like to, to make sure that, that some of the stuff that like where this church goes sideways, that that doesn't happen. So here's the minimum, ready? There are 10 things that are in this passage that, that is like, you got to have these things to be considered a church. Then we'll, then we'll look at, all right, our definition, what does church look like or not look like? Number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, we don't have the apostles with us, of course. They passed away, right, in the first generation. But what we do have is their teaching. We actually do have the apostles' teaching. We have the words of the apostles, the New Testament, right? And then we have certainly Jesus' words. And then he quotes from the Old Testament, the Old Testament, like disciples, apostles, followers, prophets of Jesus. Like, all right, wonderful. So we actually do have their words. That's why we open it every Sunday and say, this is the teaching. We devote ourselves not to my teaching, not to Brandon, like, oh, wow, Brandon. No, no, no. We open the Bible and say, what does this say? Teach us what this says. We, so we study the, the apostles' teaching. To be a church, you've got to study the apostles' teaching. And then it says, to fellowship. This is the, there's a great Greek word here. Some of you may know it. It's, it's called koinonia. And it literally means like community, but it's, 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 it's so much more than just saying like fellowship, like, like on your lunch break at work or something. You're like, oh, we're just, we're just fellowshipping. No, 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 stop, stop. That's not fellowshipping. This kind of fellowship is we're doing life together. Like our lives run parallel with each other. And, and, and like I'm doing life and you're doing life and, and it's outside of just work hours and it's outside of just Sunday morning church hours that we are actually sharing lives together. That is true biblical koinonia, community, fellowship. And then they did communion, the breaking of bread. This was a, a, another way of them describing communion. They took communion. And the Lord says, hey, do this in remembrance of me. They took serious. We do communion because of this. They experienced and did communion regularly, the early church. And then it says, and prayer, that they prayed. We pray, like prayer is a big part of church. Now, a lot of people will stop there and say like, oh, there's the four things they're supposed to do, but there's so much more in the rest of this passage. All right, so it goes on. You know what else it talks about? If you continue reading, it talks about giving. That they sold their possessions and gave to anyone who had need. That they literally said, I'm gonna use my financial resources to help people, other people in the church to carry out. We're gonna help carry out the mission of the church. Giving was a really big, important part of the early church. In fact, when you read the book of Acts, one of the things that Paul did on all his missionary journeys is he took up offerings and he took up collections for churches that were really suffering and hurting, specifically the church in Jerusalem. Giving was a big part of the early church. We see this, that they gathered. So they gathered uh, in the temple courts. They met together. This, this one thing, this one thing is the reason why churches got so divided over COVID. So many churches, because you could have the opinion of either you could do church online and present your services and you can watch online and that was church or you were of the persuasion that, no, 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 we gotta, be, we gotta literally meet together in person, be, see eye to eye, shake hands or maybe you know, social distance, but we gotta at least be in the room together. And depending on how you answered that question is, is how you made decisions as a church. 
And you may have even not liked the decisions that your church made or that this church made. And, and, like, and I totally get that. And it was not easy. And, and this was one of the things that was, it was so hard for me, even after, like, you know, everyone shut down and everyone, right? Everyone, like, the whole church goes black. Everything goes dark. And you're like, all right, we got to pivot to online, at least for a while. And then it, and then it became clear, oh, this is going to happen for a long while. And I remember, like, even that summer going like, all right, this I know this, we're doing church, but this does not feel like church. I'd be up here on a Sunday morning like this, preaching to the camera, to the empty, an empty room, being like, so good to see you guys. I'm glad you're here. I'm going, this is crazy. There's, no, there's like four cars in the parking lot. And like, and you know, and meanwhile, Walmart's full. Like, I don't, I, like, this is crazy. And, and we're going, how is this church? Like, it was so hard to not meet in person. And, and, and this caused, like, some real struggles um, because, you know, we want to be, like, good people in the community. And we, of course, if there's a health threat. Like, we want to be aware of that and, and cogn- respectful and cognizant and understand. But at some point, like, okay, this, this is no longer church. This is, this is, I call it Christian Netflix. You just turn on a church, and if you like that service, you'd watch it. If you're like, no, I don't like this pastor, I'm gonna switch to this church and watch that one. And it just became like, you're, you're clicking through going like, oh, I guess I'll listen to him. Or, oh, he's going a little long. Honey, let's start lunch, turn off. And you're like, that, this is no longer church. This is just consumerism. We just consumed church for a, quite a season. How can you just feed me and, and make church do what I want it to do? That's, I mean, COVID was so hard because of this. And then they, they met, it says that they didn't just gather, but they had regular meetings. That they met every day and they met in the temple courts and they met in homes. Guess what we do? We meet here, not that this is a temple by any means, but like we meet together in a large group like they did and listen to teaching. And then we too have small groups that meet in homes. Like 2,000 years later, we're still doing this, at least trying to. And so they met regularly in homes. That was a part of what it meant to be at, at, like in the early church. And, and we see this, they worship. Verse 47 says, praising God. Like they sang, they worship. That's why we worship. And, and here's what's cool. When you come to worship, like you can sing however you want, right? In key, out of key, in tune, like high pitch, low, low pitch, low tone. I don't know. Clearly I'm not a singing guy. And, and like, you, guess what? When you come to like to New Hope, it's not about like performance. It's not about like, oh, hey, listen, if, can you just like sing a little quieter because you're, in fact, go sit on the outside. <laughs> like, you know, like go sit with Brandon over there because like, yeah, we don't want to listen. To, it has nothing. No, who cares? We, we worship God. And they, they praise God as a part of church to sing. Singing is a part of church. And then we see this, that they did evangelism. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It wasn't just like, hey, this is so good, let's keep it to ourselves. It was, all right, let's let anyone be a part of this and let's just, let's just live out our faith and share Jesus. And, 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 and every day, people were becoming followers of Jesus. That's the description of a church. Now, let's go back to our first questions. Okay, ready? Can you do that with a group of people out in the forest? You can do elements of it. You can say like, oh, we're having fellowship. But listen, are you doing communion? Are you, are you praying? Are you, are, you, are you devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching? Are you, are you tithing out in the forest? Are you, are, you, are you doing the things that say like, this is the church? Now, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying you can't go out in the, and have a, a, an experience with a group. Of course you can. But listen, here's what I'm combating. Ready? You don't get to say, and I've heard so many people say this, so here come the first ruffled feathers, maybe, maybe I've already ruffled some. You don't get to say, oh, I, I don't really go to church because nature is my church. 
No, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus didn't die for nature. Jesus didn't die so you could go on a walk or go hunt. Jesus died to set up his church. And his church has a a specific set, a minimum set of requirements. And, And if you're not doing these things, you don't get to call it church. It's why I would say you can't do church online like just watching it because you're not doing any of this stuff. You're watching other people do this stuff, but you're not in it. This isn't your community. The church has a specific minimum. Now, let's talk about what this means. So um, usually, usually what happens is, is people, like if you hear of the minimum amount, or like a minimum church or the minimum set of requirements, here's what you can hear, ready? All right, what's the least I can do to be a part of the church? Now, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is not, hey, here's the minimum standard for you. And as long as you do that, you'll be fine. What we're talking about is, here's what, it, here's what it takes to be a church. Now, your involvement can't be this. It can't be, what's the least I can do to call myself a church person? How many times can I attend? Once a month? Once a month. That's 12 times a year. Is that enough? I don't know. Sure, once a month sounds pretty good. We can get there once a month. All right, is 12 times a year enough to say, like, I am a church goer? Here's the equivalent. Ready? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to guess that many of us, probably most of us, have had a job at some point, right? Raise your hand, and hopefully you, you're like, right? You're just still, you, you're good. Okay, yep. At some point, you moved out of your parents, and you like started your life, and you got a job. Maybe your, maybe your first job, you're living at home, and like, it was great. Okay, can you imagine showing up to your first job? Or maybe if you're a manager, having someone come for their first day for their first job, and this is what they said. Hey, I, I really need this job, but can you just tell me the minimum expectation for me to continue to get a paycheck. I just want to know the least amount of work I have to do. Could you imagine saying that at your job or someone coming and saying, like them telling you that? Maybe you've had that. I can tell you that's not a person you're going to invest in. That's not like, like you, know who's a, you know who would be really good for a promotion? Is <laughs> uh, Jimmy over here. Sorry if your name's Jimmy. But like... Like, you would never do that. Or if you're doing a sports team, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I love to coach and be a part of sports. And so, like, you know, it's now sports season, and we had soccer yesterday, and we have football later today after this. And, and like, man, I, I could not imagine a kid showing up going like, all right, coach, what's the least amount of work I can do to be a part of this team? But I love being on the team, and I want, you know, I, I want to I start. <laughs> I want to start, and I want to play a lot, but what's the least I can do? Do I have to come to all the practices? Like, all of them? Oh, man, listen. You and I, you and I, we don't get to redefine church to say, this is church for me. Nor do we get to say, what's the least amount of work I can do to be a part of this? Now you can do that, but, but, don't, think, but don't think that's what Jesus calls a disciple. Someone who's saying like, I want to grow, I want to, uh, in humility, I want to grow in my faith. And un- All right. That person doesn't say, what's the least I can do? They say this, how can I serve God's mission here at this church? What's my role at this? Not what's the least I can do so that I can make sure I'm a church person, but rather, how can I join the mission and be a part of what God is doing? Awesome. They're not redefining church. You, again, here, okay, more feathers. Here we go. A lot of us, a lot of us will define church, again, how we want it, right? So we'll do this. Well, I really like the worship at this church, but I really like the preaching at this church, but their youth group isn't as great. So I love, I send my kid to this youth group over here, but then they have these kids ministry events, things at this church. So I go there and, and then here's what's really cool is there's like 12 VBSs in the summer and I get to send my kid to all of them. And it's like free childcare. It's awesome. It's wonderful. I love the church. 
And here's what you've just done. Ready? You've, okay, here we go. Give me your toes. Give me your feathers. Okay. You have now defined the church in a way that you just consume all of its resources. That's what you, that's that's how you see the church. How I can just, how I can literally, like, like a tick, how can I just suck the life out of all of these churches for myself? Is that church? Listen. Is that when Jesus says, I'm going to set up my church, I'm going to die for my church, do you think it was so that you would have all of this really fun stuff you could just do? Ooh, I think church is meant to be so much more than just simply how I can use every, all the resources of all these churches for myself. So a disciple isn't looking at church and say, what can I get out of this? A true disciple says, how can I give myself to the mission of Jesus, of the church. Okay, all right, ready? Whew, that's only point one. Here we go. Second thing we see. God set up his church to have an intentional leadership structure. There, more than just simply a, a kind of a minimum set of expectations of what, it, what is required for a church, God sets up a leadership structure. And, and I'm gonna guess, okay, this is where things, again, can get a little prickly because I'm gonna guess if you've had if you've had a bad experience with church or, or a traumatic experience or, or a negative like um, a moment in church or season in church and, and maybe it's even caused you to leave church or maybe you're coming back for the first time, it's been a while because maybe in, maybe in childhood or early years or early teens or like you just had a, a not great experience. Okay, if, if you've ever left a church on not, not good terms and like, oh man, it was really hard and it was really difficult on me or my family or whatever, I'm gonna guess it has to do with this issue of leadership. I'm gonna guess your issue was with leadership. It wasn't like, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I, I really didn't, like, if it was a really bad traumatic experience, it probably wasn't, well, man, instead of meeting at 9.30, they moved it to nine. Can you believe it? Can you, I'm, I am never stepping foot in that church again. That's probably not the thing that has really, that has really scarred you with regard to church. It's probably I had a run in with the, the church leadership or a pastor, or I saw what he did and they covered it up and, and it was criminal. And I can't believe that a church would do this. Or it was, I, I just disagree with the direction or the, or the theology of the church. And it was like the leadership totally took a, like, took a left turn and like changed everything. And like, oh man, I'm gonna guess that if you have, if you have, PTSD from church stuff, it's probably, it's probably in the realm of the leadership of the church. So I get, this is prickly. So that's number one. Number two, just because, just because God set up the church to have leaders and, and, and sets up an intentional leadership like system and process and, and structure, it, listen, I want, lean in now. Seriously, no one's doing it, but okay. It doesn't mean Everything that a church leader does is perfect or right or excusable. It doesn't mean that just because they're on a stage, you have to listen to them no matter what or, or, or believe or obey or submit to. If there's, if there's obvious sin or heresy, you leave that church. Just because they're on a stage doesn't mean you say, well, whatever they want. And I've seen this so many times. This is, it's called spiritual abuse where, where a, a, a leader in authority at a church will use their position of authority to get what they want amongst their people. And people will just say, oh, this is God's, this is God's person. So who am I to disagree with them? Oh, man. I'm telling you, first of all, don't ever put that pressure on me. Don't ever put that on me. 
that somehow your Christianity is somehow at my feet. It's, it's like if it's my responsibility to make sure that you believe. Ooh. When, you get, when you stand before Jesus, he is not gonna ask you, hey, so what did you think about Brandon? He's not gonna ask you that. He's gonna say, hey, did I know you? Did you know me? What, 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 what is our relationship like? So when we talk about the intentional leadership structure, it does not mean everything a church leader does is right or godly or excusable. And, and there's countless times where you hear about abuse in, in a leadership level. And I'm, it makes me sick probably more than you because I'm, I'm sitting there going, man, that, like you're in my position. How could you do that? How could you do that and blemish the church, Jesus' bride? So that being said, God does set up leadership, specific process of an structure for leadership. Here's what we see. Again, book of the Acts, how do they do this? How do they lead the church? Paul and Barnabas in, in Acts 14, it says this, verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, every church they went to. All right, we're gonna set up elders. And with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. There was a commissioning of leaders, of what the Bible calls elders. We'll look at these Greek words here in a second. So so Paul and Barnabas set up elders. This was his process, his plan. And then it was what he instructed others to do. He tells Titus, the reason I left you in Titus chapter one, verse five, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. I wasn't able to finish my work. And here's how you're gonna do that. Appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, And then uh, then he tells Timothy, um, a protege of Paul, um, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set up elders and here's all the requirements. Here's all the things that they have to do, right? They can't be a new believer. They can't be a lover of money. They gotta be able to teach. They they gotta be uh, uh, respectable and they can't, uh, they have to have sound mind. They have a husband of one wife. Like here's all this stuff, all right? This isn't just anyone who wants to. So they set up leadership. So here's the 10th thing. We went through the top nine, right? Here's the nine things. Here's the 10th one, ready? Church leadership. For something to be called a church, it has to have some form of leadership of some kind. Here's what we see. In the Bible, there are three Greek words for, um, for these leaders, and they mean slightly different things. And we'll look at what, like, the implications here in just a second. Here they are, ready? First Greek word is presbyteros. It's where we get the word presbytery or presbyterian, Right? It's, it's, it's as creative as that might sound, like, oh, wow, that's such a, what a nice word. No, no, they just stole it. It's just a Greek word. <laughs> presbyteros, and it means elder. When you see the word elder, that's what this is. Paul's writing the word presbyteros, okay? Second word, episkopos. Episkopos means overseer. This is where we get the word episcopalian. Again, just hijack the Greek. It sounds wonderful, but you just, it totally stole the word. All right, so presbyteros means elder, Episcopos means overseer. And then there's a third word. Third word is poimen. Poimen means shepherd or pastor. That's why we call like these roles pastors, right? In the Greek, it's poimen. So I am poimen Brandon. That sounds super weird. Don't say that, please, ever. But that's the, that's the Greek, like, all right. Now, what we've done in the church and what we think is that these are three different roles by three different groups of people. So we have elders, Right? We have like a, in the church, the American church, we have elders set up, presbyteros, and then we have pastors who are like the staff who carry out kind of the orders of the elders, and then we have directors who are like oversee the ministry, and they report to the pastors who report to the elders, and we're like, oh, that's a great structure, except that's not at all the structure in the Bible. You know what? That's a very American structure. It's a very CEO-style 
ministry. That's literally where it came from. We have a board of people, and then we have the staff who carry out the wishes of the board that's either elected, but they're not paid, and like, oh, wow, this is a great system. All right, let's look at these words used in the Bible, shall we? Because as much as we want to look at like how churches do it, I don't care. I want to know how, I'm, how we're called to in the scripture. So in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, here's what we see. Paul is going to use all, we're going to see all three of these words used in this one passage. It's one of the, one of the few places where it happens. And, and it's going to give us some insight into leadership. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders, the presbyteros of the church. So verse 17, we see Paul calls the elders. This is their role, their title. And he says, all right, I want the presbyteros to come to me. So they do. So they go to him. And then he has this conversation with him. Verse 28, we jump down. Here's what he tells them. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, episkopos. Oh, wait, the elders are also overseers and directors? Hold on, okay. The presbyteros are also episkopos? Huh. And then he says, be shepherds. And here's the word, poimen, be pastors of the church. Wait a minute, what? These are supposed to be three groups of people. Paul, Paul looks at this and says, this is all one role, church leader. Church leader, your job as an elder, as a presbyteros, is to oversee the church and to pastor and to shepherd the church. Be shepherds, appointment of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He bought, not you. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. This is why he sets up leadership. This is why I'm appointing leaders and elders to shepherd the flock, to oversee the flock, to be in charge of the flock, because savage wolves are gonna come in and they're not gonna spare the flock. Even from your own number, even from your own group, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. To pull people out of the church, to deceive them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. He's like, I've seen this happen. And I'm telling you, as soon as I leave, it's gonna happen. So put, put people in charge, leadership. Why? Not so they can control the church and say like, this is what you do. We want you to do what we want. No, so you can protect the church from any outside threats. Not just outside threats, inside threats. From inside threats. There's been times and it's, it's terrible and I hate it and I don't like doing it. But we, we have to, as the pastor and the leadership of the church, this is often referred to as church discipline, where we have to actually talk to people in the church and say, this has to change or you can no longer come here. And, and there have been a few times in my life where, we have to say, where I have had to say, you can no longer attend this church because of X, Y, Z. And we've worked and we've tried and you see, you, you wanna, you're creating division and hardship and struggle. And, and like, this, is, this, can't, this chaos can't continue. You have to leave. That is the job of the pastor. It isn't to control the church. It's to protect and to say, I want this to thrive. All right. So he puts in elders and leaders and pastors to be in charge of the church, to protect the church, to help nurture and disciple the church. Here's the last thing. God set up his church for the purpose of discipleship. Is it? Remember, plan A, not plan B. There's no plan B. Here's what we see. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, here's why, to equip his people for works of service. It does not say to do the work of service for everyone. It does not say God gave the apostles and the pastors and the teachers and the leaders so that they would do all of the stuff that everyone else wants. This is kind of the, 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 the American mentality. Oh, well, we pay pastor, so it's his job to pray. 
It's his job to go do evangelism. It's his job to go visit everyone in the hospital. It's his job to answer my questions. It's, it's, it's my job to have his cell phone and call him whenever I want so he can fix my life, which, by the way, I'm gonna be terrible at. I'm probably, if you call my cell phone, I will probably intentionally mess it up for you even more because like, like don't, you don't rely on me to fix your stuff, but that's the mentality. Pastor, do all this stuff. Look at the job description of the pastor. You see that? It's to equip you guys to do all the work. See that? I'm not paid to do the stuff you're supposed to be doing. Here's my job. Here's my job. Ready? To equip you to go live out the mission. To equip you to do it. That's the job of church leadership. To say, all right, hey, all of us, all of us are in the game, right? The coach doesn't play the game. He coaches the players and then says, go out there. Let's go. You ready, you ready to get in the game? Okay, here's the play. I'll draw it up. You guys, it's your job to actually carry it out. Okay, that is the church. To, to equip his people for works of service. And here's why. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son. And here it is, ready? And become mature. To become disciples. To grow in our faith. To mature in our faith. Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul emphasizes the work of church leaders is to equip believers to become disciples, to go out and live out the mission. That's the job of the church. It's not consumer. This is not a consumer mentality. This is a coaching mentality. All right. We're coaches to help, to help better the team, so to speak. Here's what we see in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, specifically now about leaders. It says this, have confidence in your church leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you and as those who must give an account. Did you know that's in there? At the judgment, when you and I go before Jesus, um, yours will be different than mine because mine has an added judgment. I'm gonna have to give an account for how I led this church. I have to, like, I'm before Jesus and you guys are like, you go through your stuff and he's like, welcome. And, and with me, he's like, not so fast. Hold on, we have an extra test for you. That I, not you, not you, I have to give an account for how we led this church. Ooh, this is a high calling. This isn't just a, this is a hey, here's what, here's what I, you know what I think, you know what I think the church should do? I really want them to do this thing. No, no, no. This is different. He says, do this then, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, not because they're over you, but because they have to give an account. Like there is some responsibility here. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. That would, and he says, for that will not be of benefit to you, to have burdened leaders. Instead, you want to have joyful leaders. So don't cause burdens. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean don't ever disagree, but here's, here's what this saying, ready? To have confidence in your leaders means you trust in the leadership of the church. Not that you agree with every single decision to say like, well, I really didn't like that they said this or made this decision or changed the time of this or moved the day of this event to this thing. Like, I really don't like how they did that. Okay, listen, first of all, I understand that. I understand. Not everyone likes the decisions of the leadership of the church. And here's how I know that, I know that to be true. Because I get your emails. I get your emails and I want to respond. I don't respond this way. I'll, I'll respond to you now, but I don't respond this way. Well, you don't have to give an account, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't say that. But in all reality, listen, there is a responsibility and a weight to church leadership that is just different. Knowing, all right, we're going to give an account. I'm thinking about church literally every day, every day. 
So, so here's what he says. Hey, have confidence in your leaders. And it doesn't mean trust that like they make every decision that you like and so therefore you trust them. But rather, I trust their judgment to make the right decisions, to, to, to be godly men and women who make the right call, who have, all, who have more information than I do, and I trust that they're gonna do it. Even maybe I would do things a little different, or, but I trust in the leadership, all right? If you can do that, then that's the church for you. As soon as you get to a point where you say, I no longer trust the judgment of the leadership to make the right call or to, 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 to make this decision or, or to not lead into sin or to, to lead us in there. As soon as you get to a point where you say, I no longer trust the leadership. Not, I don't like their decision. That happens all the time. But to say, I don't trust them anymore. That should be your last Sunday at church. You then find a new, new, find a new church where you say, I can submit to the leadership. And, and, and it's not because like a personal preference. It isn't you saying like, ah, he got a haircut. I don't really like that style anymore. Oh man, the, the, the shirts he wears, like, ah, it's just not, I, I wanna have a more like, kind of respectable pastor. Okay, well, first of all, stop judging me, all right? <laughs> but to say, I really don't, I can't trust, like, like there, I think there's some, there's some, I'm struggling with, with some issues and how they've really led, all right? That's different, right? Have a conversation with leadership, but all right. And, and some of you have had that experience in the past and it didn't go well and I get it and I get it and there's background and there's issues and there's trauma but don't throw away all the church because you had maybe a bad church leader one time. Bad leadership. So now let's talk about this church. All right. Let's talk about our process of discipleship. So last week we talked about our discipleship wheel. This is now the direction of the leadership of the church, of this church to say, all right, here's where we're going and here's what it looks like and here's, here's what the discipleship process will look like at New Hope and how we carry it out. So we're calling it the discipleship wheel, right? Super creative because it's a wheel. So we talked about the five categories. First, there are spiritually lost people, right? These are people who have not put their faith in Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm sure that there's, you know, in our midst, there's been some, maybe there's some here right now. And I get it. I was in this spot for, for the, much of the beginning of my life. That was me. I didn't even know anything about church. Their job, their one and only job is to hear and respond to the gospel. And then they become saved and they become, they become spiritual infants. We went through this last week. I'll go through it very quickly. And then you can catch up. You can watch last week and kind of get a more detailed view. They become spiritual infants. They're new in the faith. They need spiritual milk, not, not, uh, not, not meat, like Paul says. And then they grow up and become spiritual children. And their job is to connect now, not to just discover the Lord, but to connect. And they grow in their faith, but they're still children. They still need to be fed like our kids, but they're a little bit more independent and they're growing. And then, and then we talked about the fourth category, uh, a spiritual young adult, where they're now growing in their faith and now they're feeding themselves. Like their faith is their own. And this is like, they're doing this. They're doing this. This is for me and I'm growing and I'm taking serious my relationship with Jesus. Awesome. And then the last category is, is a spiritual parent. Someone who we would say is reaching now to others, reaching out and, and reaching others. And their job now isn't to feed just themselves, but now to say, I wanna invest in other people and in the others, right? Now, here's what's cool about this process. Doesn't matter where you are on this wheel. And, and for some of us, it might be a wake-up call. I got an email from a lady who was like, man, this is, that was like a huge wake-up call. Like, like, wow, okay, I think, I don't, I don't think I'm as far as I thought I was or, or I, I wanna be, but, but this is like, I'm all in. I wanna join, I, want, I wanna grow in my faith. Awesome. Wherever you are on this, ready? Wherever you are, you can disciple someone. You disciple the group that's behind you. If you're a spiritual child, you're like, hey, I've been a Christian. I'm still growing on my faith. You know who you get a disciple? Someone who's brand new to the faith because you know just a little bit more than them. 
As long as you know just, you're in front of them just a little bit, you can help disciple them. Hey, I don't know everything, but here's what I started doing. I started reading my Bible and I started praying and maybe that's something you could do. Okay, I think I, I could do that. All right. And they're gonna look to you as the expert because you know at least a little bit more than them, right? A spiritual infant, this was me at one point. I couldn't, I didn't know any of this stuff. I was like, I, this is so far out of my, my wheelhouse. But, but you know what I could do? I could share the gospel with the spiritual lost. And that's what I did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to disciple those who don't know Jesus. Like, hey, here's where I'm at. I don't know everything, but I know that like, I, I put my faith in Jesus. All right, I, so you can, wherever you are, this is the beauty of it. Wherever you are, there are people that you can invest in and help grow in their faith. Now, let's talk about how we do this. So we looked at this last week. Now let's fill it in. Here it is. So at New Hope now, specifically to New Hope, here's what it looks like in the discover phase. If you are a spiritual infant, here's what we want you to do. Ready? Just come to church. What else? No, no, no. Just come to church. Just get here. I, I, I want to see you, and I, we, wanna, we want you to be a part of the community. Okay, but now what? No, no, just come to church. That's it. Just come to church, all right? Start there. Just learn. Just learn and, and, and observe and just be a part of this. And then as you discover new truths, like, hey, here's the challenge. Ready? Here's your next step. Get baptized. That's what I want you to do. Why? Why do I get baptized? Because Jesus called us to. He says to go baptize. And, and he himself got baptized. So, Go get baptized. Go get baptized. And then we want you to join Starting Point to think about it. Starting Point, we started, we had uh, going for a while, COVID kind of like everything, kind of like put a, a monkey wrench in stuff. Uh, starting Point is something we'll start up again. And starting Point is for those who are either new to faith or like returning to faith and, and are like want to restart or restart kind of their faith. And so it's, it's the, the here's, what, here's the foundational truth about Christianity. All right, great. And then we want you to start attending church regularly. We want you to start, begin reading your Bible. So start coming every Sunday. Okay, I can do that. All right, now here's the Bible. Now I want you to start reading it. What do I do? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up to the book of John and start at chapter one and just read it in order. Okay, but how do I? No, no, no. You're already asking too many questions. Just open up John and just start reading it. That's it. Okay, but what about? No, no, no. That's, all, that's your next step is to just go read the book of John. Tell me how it goes. All right. So begin reading the Bible, all right. And then begin praying. I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do, because you know how to talk. So here's, how, here's prayer. Dear Lord, and then you talk to him, and then you say words. That's prayer. So you can start praying. You can start praying anytime you want. God, and then just talk, right? So if you're a spiritual infant, here's what you're doing. This is it. This is your growth. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Right now, these are your next steps. And if this is where you're at, you're looking at this going like, okay, I think I need to start doing these. Awesome. Wonderful. When you're ready for the next step, you'll go there. You'll get there, okay? Here's the next phase. As a spiritual child, one of the things we're gonna begin are theology classes, theology 101 classes, where we're gonna actually start classes where we're like, all right, we're gonna teach you some theology and go in-depth on, on a number of topics. And, and, uh, and we'll share those here in, in a little bit, but like this, this is something that's on the horizon. They're like, all right, Right? We've been preparing for this for a while, but we'll have some theology classes. Hey, your next step might be to take one of these classes. All right, see how it goes. And then we want you to think about beginning tithing. Hold on, you're gonna, I gotta give money now? No, 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 no. You get to joyfully share in God's mission because, not because I'm telling you to, but because the, the church is called to tithe, to give. Jesus calls us to give. And Paul, one of the things that Paul did everywhere he went was he took up an offering to help churches. So like, all right, you need to think about, think about what it would look like to start tithing. If you've never tithed at this church or any church, th before you do anything else, this might be the step for you. We're like, all right, my next step in discipleship is to start actually, to start actually believing in the mission 
with my wallet. All right. That may be your next step. And then maybe uh, come up with a Bible reading plan. And we'll help you. We got Bible reading plans. All right, give me a, a, a way to read the Bible. Awesome. Think about a Bible reading plan where you're gonna read regularly. And then we want you to get connected to a New Hope ministry. That's the NH, just got really long off the screen. Get connected to a New Hope ministry outside of just Sunday morning. So whether it be a what, women's Bible study or men's Bible study or, or the men's group or, or, uh, or, um, or a kids ministry or young adults or, uh, or a small group or our new senior adult ministry that we just started, get connected to a group outside of just kind of this like large group setting where you're like, all right, I, here's where I'm getting to know more people. All right, awesome. That's your next step. And then we want you to think about coming to a First Wednesday, not because First Wednesdays are gonna solve everything, but because you come to a First Wednesday and you say, all right, I'm going to grow and learn and be challenged in ways I haven't before. Awesome. All right, good. You're growing in your faith and you're learning as you go. And then we want you to think about joining a small group because just like the early church, they met in large group and small group in homes. We meet in large group and small groups in homes where you can start doing like, like life and ministry with, small, with a, another small group of people. And then we want you to, to discover your shape. This is another thing we'll be starting where you, dis, where you discover kind of how God has wired you and how God has made you and then how you can serve, how you can best serve in the church. Now, there's a, a white bar here. Last week, I don't know how many people you came in and said, hold on, hold on. What's the white bar? Oh, I'm so glad you have returned. So the white bar is something we've been, we've been emphasizing and, 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 um, and carrying out and doing now since the beginning of the year. The white bar is for us, uh, represents the commitment to the church. The white bar is membership, where we want you to think about what it means to become a member of this church. Now, now listen, not because you have to be a Christian, like you have to be a member to be a Christian. Of course not, of course not. Or that you somehow can't grow in your faith if you're not a member. No, of course not. Membership has nothing to do, has nothing to do with your standing before God. Nothing at all. Here's what membership is. Membership is you saying, I'm committing to this local body of believers, to this church and saying, I'm in. It's putting your name and saying, I'm on the team, coach, put me in. That's what membership is. All right, I'm in. I want to join this church when you go through membership, it's no longer your church. Hey, hey, pastor, I go to your church. I've been attending your church. No, no, no. When you go through membership, now it's, this is my church. Man, I've been at our church for X amount of years. Awesome. This is our church. It's your church. That's what membership is. So now, I promise I wouldn't go long, but I've already gone long. So guess what? Next week, we fill this out. Next week. You come back and you get the rest of this chart. And we're like, all right, but now I really want to know, what does a young adult and a parent look like? Oh, man, I'm so glad you're going to be here next week as we continue this process and look at, all right, here's what it looks like for New Hope. So the church is God's plan A to make disciples. And there is no plan B. Here's what we're going to do. Even though we went long, we'll go a little longer because the early church worshiped, so let's worship. So would you do this? Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna worship the Lord together and, uh, and, and, uh, and officially wrap up um, this morning, but certainly not be done with discipleship. So will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples that we have in scripture of what a church is, what a church does and what our role in your church is. Help us all to grow in our discipleship, grow in our, our commitment to you. Help us, Lord, to take our next step, whatever it may be, as we continue to pursue you, to become more like you, to allow you 
to change us. Use your church, use this church to change us. And in doing so, Lord, we ask you to change the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, let's sing this last.